Hello, everybody. My name is Jackson Reyes, and back with another episode of Know Your Enemy. I'm joined by Cole Park of the Kentucky Colonel Sports uh, newspaper, and we're here to break down Florida's upcoming matchup against the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, Cole, thank you for joining me. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Awesome. So, you know, the Gators travel to Lexington, uh, a place where they lost the last time they were there. And it's going to be an interesting matchup on Saturday. You know, the Gators, for the longest time, uh, you know, it was never it was always, you know, close matchups in recent years, but it was almost an automatic victory. Uh, the Gators had one of the longest winning streaks against Kentucky in NCAA history with 31 consecutive victories. But now the script flipped a little with Kentucky winning the last two matchups. Uh, so, you know, going into this matchup, uh, if Kentucky is able to pull off a third straight, it'll be the, the, the first time they have won three straight games against the Gators. Uh, I think dating back all the way back to 1948 to 1951 when they won four straight over Florida. So uh, just kicking it off, can you just talk about, you know, what this matchup means in terms of, you know, either Florida trying to end their two game skid or Kentucky trying to make some history? Yes. Yeah, so um, it's definitely well known amongst Kentucky fans about the that reign of dominance. Um, very few weeks other than maybe Tennessee get as, as hectic as Gator hate week does around here. You know, Kentucky fans uh, certainly are not fans of Florida, to say the least. Um, so, you know, the fans are going to be showing out in droves. You remember two years ago, it would have been my freshman year, when um, Kentucky beat a, I believe they were top 10 ranked Florida at the time. Yeah, I think they were number rushed 10. The, yeah, rushed the field after that. And, uh, you know, I was there. I, I witnessed that whole whole thing go down and winning in Gainesville last year was massive as well. Uh, there were celebrations in Lexington that night, even though it was a road match. Um, so I definitely think that both sides are pretty aware of what the stakes are going into it. I mean, Florida, you know, once again, they got a massive win over Tennessee. So they're, they're ranked, they're getting some respect after maybe not having as much ambition going into the season for most casual fans, but now, you know, they're kind of on the map. And once you're on the map, you don't want to get off the map. You want to stay there. So Florida's looking to prove itself, prove that, you know, it is still that same Florida team that can beat Kentucky and can doesn't have issues with the Wildcats. And Kentucky is still trying to prove, you know, it's it's had four straight victories this season, um, several of them by large margins, but it just hasn't looked super convincing in many of them. Uh, it's been a lot of little mistakes. So Kentucky has a lot to prove of itself. You know, there's a lot of questions as to whether or not this Kentucky team can actually perform against well, respectfully, good opponents. Um, their their opponents so far have been Eastern Kentucky, Akron, um, Vanderbilt, and Ball State. So it's definitely not been the cream of the crop, to say the least. But, um, you know, Florida's a team that has been tested against a good opponent. They have the win over Tennessee, and they looked great doing it. So I definitely think that this is a game about for Kentucky, it's a game about proving itself that it does belong and that it is still that um, team that a lot of people hope it can be. And for Florida, it's also about proving itself, but more so proving that, hey, we're here now and we should stay here. Nice. And I agree with all those points you made. And so, you know, going into this matchup, Florida is, you know, ranked number 22. Kentucky's not ranked, but, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, an easy matchup for the Gators. So, you know, as of right now, as recording on Thursday night, I believe Kentucky's a three and a half point favorite. Uh, as you mentioned, they are undefeated 4-0. Um, so can you just kind of talk about the strengths of this Wildcats team? Uh, you know, what has helped them succeed so far? Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
obviously the defense is always good under Brad White. I think he's a fantastic defensive coordinator. And um, even times when the defense has had a lot of little mistakes, it seems to still hold itself up pretty well. And, you know, the offense is a big question mark because when the offense is clicking, it looks fantastic. I mean, you got Ray Davis, former Vanderbilt Commodore. You got Devin Leary, former NC State quarterback. Um, when those guys are clicking, they have some great, great receivers, great backs, good tight ends, great quarterback. The problem is they're not always clicking. And you saw that against Eastern Kentucky, for example, against an FCS opponent. Kentucky went into halftime tied 7-7 because they just couldn't get going on offense. No matter what it tried to do, it just could not get going. But once it did get going, it went on to score um, 21 points in the second half. So, you know, it's shown that when that offense is clicking, it's very, very good. The defense is usually sturdy. So the strengths are, you know, I don't want to say like the whole team because the whole team hasn't been clicking at both points this year. You know, you saw when um, when the offense started picking it up a little bit against EKU, even the defense started to struggle a little bit. So um, the strengths in this team really lie in which side of the ball is looking good at that given moment because so far we haven't really seen them put it together but the idea that they could put it together and I know in sports the you know the the idea of what could they do is always one of the biggest you know questions but um this Kentucky team has I believe the pieces to be very very good um it's just going to be about whether or not it can prove that and start clicking together as a unit and not just in, as individual pieces Nice. And, you know, kind of going into the, you know, the, the thick of it, obviously I have a lot of questions about the offense, but just starting on the defensive side of the ball. Um, can you talk about the impacts of guys like Maxwell Hairston? I believe he has three interceptions and then also Deion Walker, a, a really talented defensive lineman. Um, obviously those two uh, that I mentioned, but anybody else that I haven't mentioned as well, who you think are uh, impact players on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, for sure. So a um, little lesser known fact, I suppose, is that, um, Maxwell Hairston recorded two pick sixes against Bandy, became the first Kentucky Wildcat in history to record oh two God. pick sixes in one game. So massive achievement for him. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, I expected to be solid going into this year, but I don't think even I expected how good he was going to be. He's been doing really, really well. You touched on Dion there. Another guy I want to give some credit to is uh, Trevin Diggs. He's been doing really, really sturdy. Um, it's just, it's um, the culture that Brad White culminates in the defense is a, uh, it's definitely one of the next man up and, uh, you know, just go make a play. Um, so a lot of you talk to any of these defensive guys and they're very, very humble. You know, they're not ones who are going to take a lot of the credit, even after his massive game, you know, Hairston was like, you know, glory to God, you know, I appreciate my team for setting me up to do that. And he wouldn't really take the credit for himself. So the defense in that way is, is special because, you know, you have those guys who have those immense impacts, but also, you know, they're not ones who want to take credit. So they're willing to let other guys who maybe aren't as big of names or haven't done as much this year, take some of that glory for themselves. Um, so it's really, you know, really special team-based football in that way. Nice. And, um, you know, just looking at that defense, obviously, you know, you talk about, you know, their strength is just that next man up mentality and, you know, having guys who are just going to be able to step up and have a you know, play as a team. But uh, where would you say the strength is of that defense? Where do you think they excel at most and could give Florida the most problems at come Saturday? I think Kentucky is 
sometimes not always but sometimes pretty sneaky good on the line you know really forcing pressure on a quarterback you know sometimes they struggle a little bit with a quarterback who can run a little bit but um I think they're pretty good at applying pressure and then you really see the linebackers I'm a big fan of the linebackers Kentucky has you know maybe um you know each one has their own strengths but sometimes the corners may struggle a little bit but if you can get one of those short passes the linebackers are really really good and you combine that with the line who's good at forcing pressure, who might lead a quarterback to try to make a, a quick, you know, throw to get it out of there when you got those linebackers. So it's really the the combination of a, a strong D-line and a really good linebacker group that I think is what makes this team so so dangerous is that, you know, they put pressure on the quarterback, make the quarterback start panicking a little bit to try to make a, you know, I got to get the ball out of this pocket and hopefully throw it to one of those linebackers. Nice. And, you know, that that kind of thing right there could definitely be really important on Saturday. Obviously, you know, battle at the line of scrimmage is always huge, especially in the SEC. But, you know, as we've seen from Florida this season, uh, you know, keeping the offensive line healthy and then keeping the offensive line, you know, to give Grammar time to throw the ball has been you know a pretty big issue thus far. So switching over to the offensive line of the ball, uh, you know, similarity of Florida, Kentucky this year is they both have new starting quarterbacks. They both got them through the transfer portal. So with Devin Leary, who came from NC State, you know, he's impressed in his outings, but, you know, just looking at the box score, uh, you know, nine touchdowns to five interceptions. Um, but obviously that doesn't tell you the whole story. So can you just talk about Leary's performance this year to start the season so far? Yeah, so Leary is a very, um, very polarizing guy so far in Kentucky. He's one of those guys that a lot of the fans, you know, are like, I don't know that he's playing super great. I don't know that he's really, I think he's struggling, but the numbers seem to indicate he's doing fine. If you really break down his stats, like, you know, some, some of the advanced stats, some of his numbers, um, he's doing solid. Um, the big thing is I, it's something that I don't think stats track as well. And it's something that uh, offensive coordinator Liam Cohen talked about after EKU, for example, is his confidence. And sometimes, you know, he's not maybe not as sure of himself. Um, and you saw that against EKU. You know, he was making some some pretty bad plays, to be honest with you. Um, and he just wasn't really sure of himself, but that was something he himself corrected. You know, they didn't pull him aside and talk to him. That was something he himself fixed at halftime and came out ready to play. Um, so I think that one of the biggest things with him is going into such a big matchup, the biggest match Kentucky's played this year, how confident is he going to be in his ability and how much is he going to trust his team, you know, to make some of those plays and uh, giving him a little bit of slack too. you know, some of those interceptions, not all of them, but some of them, you know, I've heard that uh, Will Levis used to throw the ball really, really hard. He had a rocket. Leary does not as much. So you have a lot of these wide receivers who are more used to having to try to catch a rocket and they catch a normally thrown football. You know, sometimes maybe they, you know, bounces off their hands. They're grabbing too tight. You know, they're grabbing too hard. And you've seen a couple of plays this year where a ball has been tipped up and picked off, which anytime I see a ball get tipped up and picked off, I usually am not going to blame the quarterback for that you know, because there's not a whole lot they can do once the ball's in the air there. So um, I don't think all of those interceptions have been his fault necessarily. Uh, I feel like a broken record. I said that about Levis as well, or the opposite reason actually. But um, I think that the biggest thing for him is going to be his confidence and how well he trusts in his team to make plays. Nice. And then, you know, sort of using that to transition, you know, obviously there there have been sort of some question marks about Devin Leary, just about his play where, Obviously, you mentioned, you know, he's been kind of a polarizing figure, but, you know, looking at the rest of this offense, they return a lot of veteran, you know, key players who have, you know, really excelled to start the season. Um, you know, starting with uh, with Leary's receiver room, 
you know, guys like Tavion Robinson, Dane Key. You know, I know Dane Key was a guy who uh, played great against Florida last season when they won in uh, Gainesville, had three receptions, 83 yards, and the touchdown. Um, can you talk about the impact of those guys and the sort of threat they could they could pose against a young Gator secondary? Yeah, absolutely. So I think Tavion, Dane, and then Barion. Dane and Barion, a little bit more similar, but all three have a different thing they really bring to the table. Tavion is a guy who's a veteran, you know, transferred here from Virginia Tech. I believe he's a fifth year now. Um, and he he brings that veteran leadership, you know, that stay calm mentality, you know, don't get too worked up. Very solid, bring the ball down, hold on to it kind of guy. You know, he's going to make you maybe not always a highlight necessarily, but he's going to make some great catches and he's going to be very, very reliable. You saw that against EKU. I think he had two of the two of the passing touchdowns himself out of the four. Um, Dane Key was a true freshman last year, had that massive play at Florida, like you mentioned. And, you know, he's another guy who you can, you can most 99% of the time, I'm going to say you can trust him that if he gets his hands on the ball, he's coming down with it, which is really, really important, especially um, for such a young guy, you know, you, he's got a promising future ahead of him. He's really good at it. And then you look at Barry on Brown, same age was a true freshman last year, him and uh, Dane Key are really, really close. My assistant Samantha actually wrote a, a lovely feature about it for our football preview about the brotherhood that they have. They both have like matching necklaces they have for each other. And it's pretty cool. Um, they get along super great. Um, Barion's a guy, though. I mean, you saw it last year in the first game against Miami, Ohio. He got the ball on a, I want to say it was a kickoff, and he returned it getting up to like 20-plus miles an hour on his return. I mean, he's speedy. He's a guy that'll turn a five-yard pass into a 12-yard pass, and you won't, you'll blink and you miss it. Like, how did he even get there? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes last year he had a little bit of trouble with some drops. You know, maybe he has to work on his hands a little bit. But if he gets a hold of that ball – he's going to run with it. <laughs> and that's when, that's when he starts creating some real problems for opposing defenses. But the trick is each one of those you can plan for now planning for all three of those at the same time. It's a little bit harder to do. You know, you can try to do everything you can to make sure, all right, we got two guys on Barry on, we got this guy watching Dane. Well, now what do we do about Tavion? You know, all right, well, let's move this guy over to Tavion. Well, now Barry on wide open. So it's very, very tough to guard all three of those at the same time. They're not always on the field at the same time, but when they are, you know, you've got two guys who you can almost guarantee you're going to bring it down or one guy who is just going to get way more yardage than he has any business getting off of a standard catch. So I think that, you know, the character those guys have and the special skills those guys have make it really, really tough and make Kentucky a team that, you know, maybe doesn't always look great on offense, but when it does look great can really unleash some explosive plays. Nice. And obviously, you know, Billy Napier, he he talked about trying to limit the, the Kentucky vertical threat uh, in the game. But I think, you know, moving on to my next question, the, the number one priority from this defense is to uh, try and slow down that Wildcats run game. And so, you know, can you talk about that, which is led by, you know, Ray Davis, who's just an extremely talented running back? Yeah, absolutely. So Ray Davis is by far the star. Um, Vanderbilt running back last year, just absolutely torched Kentucky in the Commodore's first win over the Wildcats in a decade. Uh, and then they went on to beat Florida after that. So I guess we're kind of in the same boat in terms of losing the last year, but um, you know, we both saw what Ray Davis can do and now he's in blue and white and he's been fantastic this year. You know, he's a guy who is going to get downhill yardage um, even more than, you know, you'd expect him to sometimes. And he's not in an easy situation either. I mean, inheriting 
a program where he where he joins after Chris Rodriguez Jr., the all-time leading program rusher for Kentucky, who in turn joined after Benny Snell, who helped, helped lead Kentucky to a Citrus Bowl uh, back in 2018, I believe. So he comes here on the back of two really, really phenomenal running backs, and he's already been doing really, really good. You know, Wildcat fans love Ray Davis. Uh, I remember it was like a little mini party when he announced he was coming here, even though a lot of people kind of figured he probably would, you know, it was kind of rumored for a while, but when he actually committed to Kentucky, it was a big deal for a lot of people, you know, getting a guy of that caliber, especially knowing you're losing Rodriguez was massive. But another thing I think Kentucky has, you know, Kentucky has a lot of uh, Ray Davis and the other guys. (laughs) I don't want to diss those (laughs) other guys, but you know, you'll see when you look at a box score, Kentucky a lot of times have like six different running backs they're using in a game. And like each one of those other ones will have like one or two carries a piece, but they'll get like six or seven yards. And, um, you know, that's, that's really important. It's kind of like that defensive mentality. You know, we don't always care who's doing it as long as somebody does it, you know, that next man up mentality is also existing in the running back uh, room. We have a new running back coach this year. I wrote a little piece about that when he first joined uh, because we got him and we also got a new offense or special teams coordinator. My apologies. Uh, Kentucky switched special teams and offensive coordinators this past off season. So, uh, so far, I think the running back rooms looked really, really strong, especially Ray Davis, who, you know, coming in with big shoes to fill has already done a fantastic job filling those shoes. Nice. You know, obviously, you know, that offense poses a lot of threats to a a younger Gator defense. So that'll be an interesting matchup this Saturday. So, you know, going into my last two questions, you know, my first one is, you know, you've talked about a lot of the strengths of this Wildcats team. Um, You know, obviously the Gators come in number two, 20, number 22 team in the country. You mentioned that huge one they had over Tennessee in the swamp. Uh, What could you see being the key difference in this game? Uh, that could lead to either a Wildcats victory or a Gators win? You know, what do you think those one or two key things that if this happens, uh, Kentucky's going to walk away with a win, or if this happens, you know, the Gators snap the streak? Yeah, so I touched on a little bit earlier uh, with Leary, but the big storyline this Kentucky team's had this year is the offense just not clicking a lot of the time or really, really struggling. Uh, A lot of times you see them come out really, really flat. And I think a team like Florida, you know, maybe you can get away with that against Akron. Maybe you can get away with that against Eastern Kentucky. But I think a team like Florida is really going to punish you if you come out flat. You know, a team like Florida is one that you don't want to get in a hole against. Because especially once you get into these good SCC teams, getting in a hole can be, that can be all it takes. You know, you saw two years ago against Tennessee, it was an offensive shootout for Kentucky. And what ended up being the actual difference in a 48 to 45 final was Kentucky's defense gave up a field goal right before halftime. So you look at something like that, and that's just a random example I pulled out of a hat. But, you know, in the SEC, when you get into these really, really strong teams like Florida is this year, any mistake can cost you. And getting behind, even by three, can be the difference maker. So I think that um, a, a big difference or a big point of emphasis for Kentucky will be coming out and punching the Gators in the mouth early. Because if you let Florida get hot and you struggle a little bit and you don't really get going until the second half, you might already be in too big of a hole to come back from. You know, you talk about a, a young Florida defense, but you look at the numbers and it's it's held pretty sturdy. It held Tennessee to 16. You know, the worst it did was uh, 24 against Utah, I think. Yeah. But um, those are strong numbers. I mean, Kentucky is a team that's averaging around like 30 something points a game but also like I said you know they haven't played a ton of people yet either so I imagine that's one that'll go down when you get into the Florida Tennessee Georgia Alabama that they play this year so 
brutal schedule for Kentucky. Um, but yeah, I mean, my big point of emphasis will be how well does that offense come out? And then I would also say how well does Florida attack UK secondary? You know, once you get beyond some of those linebackers, you know, a lot of people were pretty surprised when Kentucky corner Carrington Valentine announced he was going to the draft last year. He did end up, he did end up getting drafted to his credit, but he was a guy that, you know, a lot of people expected to come back for one more year. And uh, we did get a cornerback. Uh, I believe that was a uh, Hardaway from Cincinnati. Um, and he's very solid, but um, at the same time, you know, Kentucky's real strength, I think lies in the linebackers. So once you get beyond that, you know, you might be worrying a little bit, you know, it doesn't matter if you get three or four, three stops in a row, if you give up a 20 yard play on the fourth down. So um, explosiveness on the offense and stability on the defense will be the two big points of emphasis for me. Nice. You know, I can see those being, you know, super huge in this matchup. So, you know, that leads into my final question, which is simply, you know, who do you see coming out on top uh, on Saturday in Lexington and, and what's your final score prediction to go with that? Oof, I knew this was coming, but somehow still, still not ready for it. Um, preseason, I know I talked to you and you said you see Florida coming out on top. I said I see Kentucky coming out on top. But looking at what we've seen so far, I would not be surprised if Florida handed Kentucky its first win just because the Florida defense so far has proved to be pretty sturdy and the Kentucky offense has not. Now, I could definitely see a scenario in which Kentucky – you know, puts it together finally and comes out firing on all cylinders and wins the game by, I don't see by any, like, I don't see any scenario in which it's not a one or two score game either way. But I think that Kentucky will probably get itself in a hole a little bit early. Um, maybe a few field goals. I could see the defense holding strong. The, the defense usually is pretty sturdy on goal line scenarios, but, you know, three points are sometimes all it takes. So I'm going to say um, based on, I'm going to say 28 to 21 Florida. Nice. That's a, I, I can totally see that being for, you know, uh, as you mentioned, I could see it going either way, but either way, I don't see it being more than a one possession game. Um, so yeah. Uh, again, thank you for joining. Where, where can people find you? Yes. Yeah, so I have a Twitter Cole Park underscore WSC or all of our stories are published on KYKernel.com, not KentuckyKernel.com because <laughs> that was already taken, unfortunately. Uh, so we are kykernel.com. Uh, we got our own sports tab. I run a, I run the sports desk there. I got my Twitter where we do all of our sports or at kykernelsports on Twitter. If you want to plug the brand, I suppose. But, um, you know, I can find me in any of those places. All my stories get published to both sites. So that'll be a great place to find my content. Awesome. So, you know, everyone tuning in, make sure to check Cole out. Again, thank you for joining me. Uh, this has been another episode of Know Your Enemy. Uh, thank you.